I am Katie Dio, and this is Care Communities. And we'll start with a video. Maybe. We're excited to show how meaningful it can be for your family to be supported by a Thank care you. Community. After launching more than 300 care communities, we know that well-supported foster families foster longer and stronger. In America today, more than 50% of new foster families do not foster beyond the first year. When families are supported by care communities, <coughs> the number of families that foster for at least two years goes up to 90%. A care community is a team of about four to eight members that are there to pray for you and serve you for at least a year. Ideally, the care community has at least four members that are family helpers that assist with the practical needs of the family. These volunteers agree on bringing a meal on the night of your choice. So if you choose Tuesdays, a different person on the team will bring you a different meal. This adds up to four or even five meals every month. Family helpers also help with other needs that you may have, like laundry, yard work. A care community also functions best with at least two volunteers serving the role as child mentor. And this gives you an opportunity to even have a date night. The best part is those date nights when they take the time to, to watch your child so you guys can just have a night off and, and just really enjoy each other. They will also try to be available one extra time a month so that you can plan important appointments or even go to the gym. You, as the foster parent, will always have the final say as to who can serve your family. The team leader will be a liaison between you as a foster parent and your care community team. The team leader will call you on a weekly basis to discuss your weekly needs and this person will be in charge of updating the care community calendar online. The team leader will also email the entire team notifying them of your prayer requests and praise reports. We look forward to serving your family. We pray that you feel supported and loved through your journey. And thank you again. So I am Katie Dio. This is my email address and phone number. We can be best friends. You can call me anytime. <laughs> um... I get to run this ministry at my church and in the Ohio area and anywhere else that Paris wants me to go. <laughs> this is my crew. They came to live with me about a month ago. Um, they are basically feral. <laughs> the th they are all, they are five of a sibling set of eight. So I have the five youngest. Um, the three in the middle spent their entire life in a pack and play and were handed bottles when they were hungry and their diapers were changed once or twice a day. They don't have a lot of life skills. Um, and then the two on the end lie about 95% of the time. <laughs> they are adorable and snuggly and happy and have a lot of energy, but they are a lot of work. So uh, this is my care community. And these are the people who make it possible for me to keep those people alive. <laughs> so my mom, my parents are on the top. They're a part of my care community. Mm -hmm. 
Um, right now, my washing machine broke on Thursday, so my mom came over, got all of my laundry for all six of us. And when I come back into town tonight, I will pick it all up until I get my washing machine fixed. And she said, I think I could do this once a week. She's like, I don't like little socks. She goes, but I'd love to do your bedding. I'm like, it's a lot of beds. <laughs> and somebody pees in it every night. <laughs> so, and then I've got Val here. She knows how to make exactly one meal, but thankfully my kids love it. It's chicken and mashed potatoes and broccoli and cheese in a dish. My kids devour it. Broccoli's the vegetable they eat. Julie makes me a meal once a week. I never know when. And she's always trying to steal the baby. <laughs> this is the key for family. I pay Jillian to clean my house once a week. 15 bucks for three hours of 14-year-old energy. It's the best deal ever. I tried to pay her more, and her mom said no. <laughs> but Jeanine walks into my house all the time, and the kids just, it's one of her, their safe people. They love her. They know they're safe. I can call her and be like, I need to take a shower. And she'll be there. This is my best friend, Casey. She works at the school across the street from my house. She's literally in my house every day, and my kids ask to call her. And so they just walk around with FaceTime on with her all the time. <laughs> um, Melissa watches my kids once a week during the day. She's watched all my foster kids for years, long before she was on a care community. And then these guys right here. Last week, Chris came over and fixed my bunk bed because it was the leaning tower of Hunter. And I was wondering how safe that was. So he came over and fixed my bunk bed. Not that I can't fix a bunk bed. I didn't have time to fix a bunk bed or go to Lowe's to buy brackets to fix a bunk bed. He goes, I'm coming over. And I'm like, can you stop at the hardware store? And then on the top, Stacy and Mark are my care community team leaders. Stacy calls me once a week and says, how's it going? And she gets the truth. Then she interprets that into a nice email that goes out to my team. <laughs> and she discerns what I need that week. This week, we figured out that I need to sleep in once, a, once or twice a month. I need somebody to come over to my house at 7 in the morning and watch my kids till about 9 or 10. Because I don't like getting up at 7 in the morning every single day. And there's no one else to get up at 7 in the morning in my house that doesn't, that's, you know, older than 6. I just, I could not be a foster parent without these people. And... Pastor John said this morning, this year we're focusing on church health. Care communities is church health. It is the church taking care of the church. None of the people in this group are foster parents. The Millers adopted those two when they were newborns, but they're like 14 and 17 now, so they're not in the trenches anymore. But no one else is a foster parent. No one else is fighting the battle every day just to keep kids alive. That's important because what we have is we have the people, the foster parents helping the foster parents. Katrina is a foster parent. She's got four littles at home. She's somebody that I know she'd jump and help me anytime I needed to. The problem is she needs as much help as I do. <laughs> so speaking of Katrina, um, I have a great video of her and her husband. And, okay, I'm just going to say it because she's in the room. My favorite part of this video is how Vinny looks at her when she talks. That guy is so in love with her. 
It's kind of creepy. He's a gift to my life. He is. We have been foster parents for four and a half years. And during that time, we've had uh, eight placements uh, of kids. Two of them we adopted twins. It was our first placement.
flow, and really it's what being the church is about. And in a lot of ways it's the modern day orphan for our environment and our community, taking care of them the way Jesus says to. One of the things that um, kind of always got me, I was a missionary for 12 years, and people would frequently say, you know, why should I give to you to go to missions when we have issues right here in our own backyard? And whenever um, we shifted into foster care, um, our heart is to reach here and there. And so I feel like we are fulfilling part of the mission and ministry that Jesus has called us to. And there's a place for everybody in that mission and ministry. They don't necessarily, if they can't adopt, then they should decide if they can do respite. And if they can't do respite, um, or maybe they can, they should choose to wrap around a foster family. And it can be a little or a lot, but wrapping around changes the way that we care about kids and we take care of our community. These are our future doctors and lawyers, or they're also, you know, ministers, missionaries, teachers. That video right now is available on my YouTube channel, which you can find by looking up my email. I think it'll eventually be on the website. So this is what a care community looks like. We have a family helper who does meals, clothing, things like laundry, a child mentor, they do transportation, babysitting, respite. We try to get a handful of people on each team that are background checked because to watch babysit a foster kids, you have to go somewhere and get your fingerprints done. And for my area, you have to get a local crime check and a county crime check. And you have to fill out 32 pages worth of paperwork. And just to watch a kid for an hour or to pick a kid up and bring him to soccer practice or out for ice cream. I have a herd of five. Those kids need individual attention really badly. I need people who can pick them up and just go, hey, let me hang out with Luca for one hour. Because he doesn't get that at home. I, there's only so much of me, and there's all of them. Um, so we get as many people as we can trained. Right now, my kids are with a respite person, somebody who took foster care classes, and they're, that, they're actually staying at my house watching my kids. Um, that would be an interim caregiver. And then our team leader who coordinates the volunteers, who makes it so I don't have to communicate with seven different people every week. I communicate with one person, and she communicates with seven different people because I don't have time to ask for help to coordinate it. I know when we put together one care community, we kept to have people calling and going, well, I want to help Katrina. I want to help the, the Devalier family, but I don't. I don't want to be part of an official thing. I don't want to. And it's like, then don't help. Because Katrina doesn't have time to coordinate with all these people who want to help. Because that time needs to be, when she has those minutes, she needs to be on the floor playing with her kids. And she needs to be snuggling and reading books. And she needs to be the one bringing her daughter to doctor's appointments, not somebody else. And... 
not sitting on her phone, not talking on her phone all day long, going, how do I figure out Thursday night when I have to be in two places at once? Instead, she sends, I think, Katrina, you send your coordinator an email, and they just do it. I talk on the phone. Usually, it's while I'm driving, because that's when I have the extra time. And then the whole team is encouraging in prayer. On another care community, I have somebody who's like, I don't want to watch the kids. I don't want to help. I don't want to do anything, but I will pray every single day for this family. And she has. Sometimes she responds to an email and with something that God spoke to her. I love it. You know, she's like, I don't feel like I'm doing much. And I'm like, you're moving mountains back there. Um, so it's really important. Um, we started with Father's Heart rolling out care communities after the pandemic started. This is, we've gotten five at uh, People's Church Network, which right now is three church campuses. Um, two of them are very, very small. One of them is medium to large, depending on your perspective. Um, so we're not dealing with a church of thousands, but we have five care communities, so that's about 50 families involved that are helping people. And some of those, some of the people on my team these guys don't go to my church. My parents don't go to my church. And Julie doesn't go to my church. They're people that are naturally part of my world. And then we found more people at the church. Or no, Casey doesn't go to my church either. So it's a mixture. All the people on my team happen to be Christians, but on all of some of our teams, they're not. And we get to share Jesus with the other team members. That's just a cute family. Um... <laughs> We get to share Jesus with them. A lot of churches have people who are fostering, who are adopting and in crisis. Sometimes people adopt and it's smooth sailing. And you have this kid who doesn't have any issues, even if you adopt them from birth. Sometimes you get a kid that the trauma in the womb, the DNA in them, they're just wired differently and they need a lot of extra. Extra time, attention, appointments. There's a lot of extra tears. Um, and when you're fostering or, or have these vulnerable kids in your house, I don't have a husband because they're too noisy. Um, but you're dealing with the kids and you're nurturing and you're kind and you're loving. You're doing everything you can to channel the fruit of the spirit. And then you go into your room and you close the door and guess who gets all of the other stuff? The spouse. And if you don't have time to recharge your batteries with that person, you're not going to be effective parents. And at some point, one of you may go, we can't do this. This is, uh, this is ruining us. This is ruining our marriage. The divorce rate for adoptive families is high. The divorce rate for people who have children with disabilities is high. There's a reason for that. Um, but uh, Katrina and Vinny are adoptive parents and have a child with a disability. And they get two dates a month. <laughs> and I have a feeling that they're going to stay married. <laughs> um, I have friends that I call. Most of them are in my care community that I go, ah, this is what happened today because um, I need that. Uh, let's see. Uh, mostly I want to answer questions. Lots of questions. I want you guys to tell me what you, what you don't know. What are you wondering about care communities? 
how do we start this in your church? How do we sustain this? Um, Katrina? Um, I just want to add one thing. There's a lady on our care community. Her name is Gail. I love Gail. And um, basically, Gail went to our church. She has no family. She has no kids. She's super depressed. Um, she really just didn't have a purpose, right? And so um, she joined our care community, and, like, she is loving life. Like, she shows up every Thursday night when my husband is at men's group and helps me put the kids to bed. And Christmas Day, you know, she stayed the night at our house Christmas Eve, <laughs> you know. And, I mean, it's just um, in this process, she's being healed, too. I mean, there's there's something incredible about when we're actually doing church the way we're supposed to, right? And so, like, she's getting healing, but also she's like, she shows up on Sunday, and I'm like, She's like, I'm here for my kid snuggles. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's, it's such a gift for me to be able to watch her succeed because she's just loving on us. And, and the way that I, I've been thinking about it lately is like how selfish was I to keep that to myself before, thinking I could handle it by myself when she needed it so much more. You know? I remember meeting Gail. I did an information session at Katrina's church. She attends a different campus than I do. And Gail said, I've never wanted to be a mom, but I've always wanted to be a grandma. And I said, have I got an opportunity for you? <laughs> and she refers to herself as the foster grandma. So I love that lady. And yeah, she struggled to get, she struggles to get out of bed in the morning until she had those four little snuggle bugs on her life. Great question. There is a advocate, church advocate training. So we partner with Promise 686. They're out of Atlanta, Georgia. A year ago, they started doing all the trainings online. We kind of went to them. Don't ever go back to in-person. We love online. So it's twice a month they offer the trainings. And they're down to six hours. Is it six hours? I think you do, you do two hours um, on your own before the, um, the official training. And then it's four hours okay. of online training. They got it down from like 12 hours. <laughs> like when I did it, it was like a full day in-person, very long training. And um, so, yeah, and it's a great training. Very, a lot of videos, but it's interactive, and they can't see you. So if you're crazy, life is crazy at home, it's okay. Yeah. Um, Can I say something? Absolutely. Um, so it, it's really neat. Father's Heart has, uh, is an affiliate partner of Promise 686, and because of that, um, because we, we have paid the whatever all the churches that come under Father's Heart have full access to, to everything. So um, in order to have full access, you may say, well, how does our church get full access? Oh, how does our church get <laughs> full access? And um, you do that by, um, you have to have a, a person go through the training, 
which is, um, like we said, it's a, a church affiliate training, and it's online. And there is there is a cost to that. I think it's um, around $100 maybe. And then um, it's always good to have two people at your church go through the training if you can. And then once you do that, if you sign a, a Father's Heart Church Partnership Agreement, um, that's just saying that you're going to uh, follow the 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 tools and the resources like they're meant to be followed and um it also uh says in the church agreement that you're going to support father's heart and that could be um a one-time offering maybe your sand sunday offering it could be a once a month support for father's heart whatever you choose we don't want money to be an issue in any way and even i tell churches if you can't afford to send somebody to the training let me know because I don't want that to be an issue but um and then once you go through the 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 training it's so cool because you have access to the promise serves portal which has everything you need I mean it's got tons of resources it has it has a training videos for your volunteers. It has job descriptions for the volunteers. It has sample emails that you can send to the foster family and to the volunteers. It has a calendar where you can plug in your events and it has like a system where they can RSVP through the through the thing the QR the what is it called QR code code that you did today is all through that and so I get all your information through that portal and you can do the same thing when you do events it will give you a QR thing that your people who are there um, to volunteer can fill out you know through the QR so it's got tons of resources it, it will send out reminders to people who are on the calendar to provide meals for the family it's just a great system to have you know and you can have that um, just by sending two people through the or one person at least maybe preferably two through the the church advocate training and then also um, to sign the church partnership agreement and then once they go through the training then I'll um, I'll also be coaching them uh, through the process of creating mm -hmm. care communities so and they have access to uh, me my team uh, um, Katie's mm -hmm. a, a rep crystals a rep and these guys are reps, so you'll have access Craig to Craig and Gail. Yeah. <laughs> Craig and Gail, yeah. We'll um, have access to them. So, hopefully that was helpful. And at People's Church, we spent about 10 years trying to figure out how to take care of our foster families, and we failed for 10 solid years. We've taken care of our families better in the last year with care communities than we did in the 10 years before that. Um, yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times churches um, are doing it like organically, but it's hit and miss. And that's kind of how it was for uh, myself um, and Al when we were fostering. Our church, they supported us well, but it was kind of hit or miss. And so this just makes it more organized and more formal so that um, you just have constant care, which makes it so much more doable. Yeah. Sustainable. Yeah. It's, sustain it's a sustainable system. I it's kind of like the difference between having somebody and go, Craig, will you come teach the second grade Sunday school class? And Craig's like, sure, I like seven-year-olds. And you're like, great, go for it. Teach them about God. And Craig's like, um. 
But if I walk up to Don't leave me with seven year olds. <laughs> but if I walk up to Craig and I said, Here is your curriculum. Yeah. This is this Sunday's lesson. Here are the supplies you need to teach the lesson. Craig's like, I got this. I can tolerate these guys for an hour. And so that's the difference. Because this is plug and play. This is your curriculum. This is everything you need. Literally every email you have to send is written. I don't really follow those because I'm an off-script kind of girl. <laughs> but they're there, and I reference them to make sure I hit my points. Um, and a foster family, they're givers. They are going to give, and they're going to give, and they're going to give until there's literally nothing left. And then they're going to fall apart. And you're going to have a busted up, broken family with a testimony that says foster care sucks and we shouldn't do this because it killed this family. And this, or That's what I've seen it happen over and over and over again. I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the word sucks. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to learn. Um, but because that's what happens with our foster families. Um, I have to kind of badger my families into getting a care community. Katrina had to be badgered a little bit. Um, she knew she needed support, but she, but once we, me and Paris both like tag teamed her. She said it in the video. Like, we're like, no, Katrina, this is how we're going to do this. And I think she's kind of grateful for that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and one more thing, you know what? I don't know if I need to be on the mic, so I'm going up here. But, um, it doesn't just have to be foster families. Some of you guys might have people in your church doing kinship care. That is when like a grandma um, is taking care of grandkids or an aunt is taking care of nieces and nephews and they have those extra kids in the house. Uh, kinship care families really need support as well. So um, that's a big thing. So it doesn't just have to be foster mm -hmm. families. It can be kinship families, you know families that are at risk and need that support. And I think it'd be, it'd be hard pressed to find a family in any any church that doesn't have a family who's raising somebody else's kids. Yeah. And they exist. They're usually kind of under the radar and they look like they have it all together. But they don't. The kids run in screaming long before the family shows up. <laughs> mm -hmm. that all, that's how my family is. Adoptive. I mean, like yeah, adoptive. If Yeah. Well, and there's some families that do. I We have one family in our church. They adopted two little, two boys. They were like 9 and 11 from Haiti. We were expecting all sorts of problems. Like, these boys are not going to adjust well. This is going to be a huge transition for them. They came and moved in with them. Two months later, the pandemic hit. And so they've got these boys. They don't speak English. They had a relationship with them over the phone for a couple of years. But before they had, were able to adopt them because of the nature of Haitian adoptions. But we were like, and they're like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be wonderful. And we're like ready to like jump on them with love. But it was. They have not had any behavior problems from these kids. These kids have learned English smoothly. Their education was smooth. It's like shocking how well it was. They still They had one for a while, and they don't need one. They didn't need it anymore because they're like, we got it. Um, but it could have gone very differently. Especially with adoptive families. It's kind of the rule of thumb from promise 686 is about a year from adoption to then. And then you evaluate. Whereas foster families, you kind of keep one until they don't need one. Um, we have one 
lady in our church. She's a single mom. She has an eight-year-old daughter that she adopted from foster care, who's for the most part doing well, but still has like a couple times a month the meltdowns that last like four hours because she's got trauma. And then she had another foster child, so we made sure when she got the other foster child, she had a care community, and that foster child ended up leaving her home rather quickly, and she's reconsidered what type of child she's going to take into her home after that experience. And so her care community is kind of backed up because she's like, it's just me and one kid. I don't need weekly meals. I don't need all this stuff. But she's in the process of moving. So her care community has been over there helping her pack, helping her redo some flooring and do some painting, things like that, so she can get her house ready to sell. They don't do, and it's, you know, a couple of people are like, our lives are busy. Can we step down? But once she starts fostering again, that community will ramp it back up. So we kind of flow with the families because we're never going to do something a foster family doesn't want. What other questions? How would you best go outside of the church? Would it be their existing family that is there helping already um, to find that care community? And then, because uh, you, you mentioned there's quite a few of yours that are not in the church. Yes, so yes, yes and yes to all of that. Um, so we start by asking the foster family or the adoptive family or the kinship family, who's already supporting your family? Do you have neighbors, family, friends that are already involved? We, I hand them a paper or they text me with names, phone numbers, addresses, and I call those people and I said, hey, I heard you're, you're a good friend of Erica's. Um, we're building general community around her. Would you like to be part of it? And it surprises how many me, how many no's I get. But it's usually about half and half. And then... We try to have six to eight people before we launch. We will launch with as few as four if we can, if it's all we can do. But we try to have six to eight families. And a, and a care community member is a person or a couple or a family. It counts as one person. Um, so, Gail and Craig, you are one person. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, in, our, in our math, where they don't count as two at all. And, but I have two care communities, one that I've launched and one that I have been trying to launch for a very long time. They, they are like, we have no one. Our families don't live around here. All of our friends are in their own trenches with young kids, with crazy jobs. Or they're the kind of people who don't want to impose on other people and they think they have no one, but they really have people. But that's really hard. You have to like kind of push for that a little bit. I'm like, hey, you've been hanging out with this one friend. Do you think we could talk to her? Um, and that's where we go to the church. My church covers 72 zip codes. Yeah. We used to be a church that all of our attendees came from the suburbs. We've been working on ra racial reconciliation. Now we're about 50-50. But there can be people in my church that live 50 minutes from me. So one of the things we try really hard is everybody in the care community lives within 15 minutes of that family. Because after a while, you're not going to want to drive a half hour, 45 minutes to drop off some mac and cheese. Um, or to babysit. Or to pick up a load of laundry. Um, during COVID, we have one person that she won't come near the family, but she comes over every week, gets the laundry off the porch, brings it home, brings it back clean. That mom is so grateful. And the, you know, the lady's like, I can't wait till I can come hold your baby. But I can't do it yet. So, you know, it's going to look differently now than it will in the future. Um, but so yeah, building a care community is very different depending on the family. Um, we also, at my church, we pull from all three campuses. Um, 
Katrina attends a campus that is nowhere near her house. So most of the people who live close to her don't attend her campus. They attend another campus. Or at least she did. She, anyways, <laughs> it's a different story. Katie, I've got a question you can answer. Um, so if your church doesn't have any foster or adoptive parents in it or kinship care, could you still provide a care community for somebody, maybe a foster family outside of your church? Absolutely. If you call your local county agency or private child placing agency and say, we are a church and we want to support a family, most of them are going to go, are going to think of a family, go to that family, have them sign a release, and come back to you and say, yeah, we have a family for you. Um, because every agency I have talked to, that Paris has talked to, other members of our Father's Heart team have talked to, when we go to the agencies and go, what do you need? They're going, we're trying to figure out how to get people to support our foster families. And they can't, you can't do that outside of the body of Christ, at least not that I'm aware of, because there's no, we're called to support each other. And James 1.27 says um, that religion that is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. It is not an option. If you are serving God the way you're supposed to be serving him, you are looking after orphans. And that does not mean every single person should foster or adopt. I know lots of people who I do not want a baby in their home, especially one with a behavior. But there's no reason they can't do something. Every single person can do something. Katrina, your hand's been up a couple times. Yeah, she has like has developed like an outer circle outside your care community. As I know, the one time Vinny spoke about in this video, Abby's hospitalization was a surprise. But Abby was recently in the hospital for a week that was planned months ahead. And she got some of the preschool teachers brought you guys meals. Um, family members, people, my parents brought her a meal because my parents live closer to her than they do to me. Um, like that aren't normally part of the care community, but it's like we need 10 meals. And so they, she found 10 people. And then she sent the, the team leader. She sent every single one of those people a thank you, handwritten thank you card. I wish I was that good. <laughs> she is so good. And then I meet with all my team leaders once a month to encourage them, equip them, you know, just like any other volunteer in your church. What do you need? What can we do better? What can I do to help you? I'll send out little bags to my team leaders. Um, one was like, I just wanted to give you a hand. So like, I found like sticky hands and clappy hands and <laughs> I said the beach pair of gloves and, um, a Butterfinger bar. Like it was a hand themed goodie bag they got in the mail just to be like, we appreciate you. Did you 
I recruited them. I mean, and usually, so when we have our, when we, after we gather our six to ten people, whatever, in our care community, we do an orientation with them. We have some videos. We go over some very basics of trauma, confidentiality, how the foster care system works. It's about an hour long training we do. They have to sign some forms to say, yes, I agree not to beat a foster child. Um, it's very important. You know, I agree to keep confidentiality because that's another thing that's very important. So all that's there. And then we have an hour-long launch meeting. The foster family is not part of either of these. It is just the team. And in the launch meeting, I mean, ideally in per we'd be meeting in person and we'd have lunch, but I've only ever done, th done these over Zoom. Um, we get on and we talk about logistics. Okay, first, Katrina's family wants a meal every Wednesday. Who's got the first Wednesday of the month? The Millers, great. Who has the second? The Dodds, perfect. And we get that in. Who wants to be the team leader? And every time I've done this, somebody has gone, oh, I'll do it. Twice I've had that person shift like a month later <laughs> and go, well, never mind. And then some, I'll be like, hey, you're kind of stepping up anyway. You want to be the team leader? And then that team leader and I meet and do a one-hour secondary team leader training. So they're equipped. We talk about the care calendar, it's an online tool that everybody can access um so that it's all on the same page i get an email telling them people are going to bring me stuff because they put it in the care calendar it's great uh so um and then we do a meet and greet katrina's is the only one we got to do in person because she launched hers during warm weather the rest of them are on zoom we all get together the kids get to meet everything she has one of her foster sons who's a little more nervous about new people she walked around to each person and said, hey, this is Craig. Craig's going to come and bring us dinner sometime. And this is Paris. Paris loves to do laundry. Can you say hi to Paris? And we brought, everybody brought a dish. We had a potluck in the backyard. The kids played, rode their bikes over hills and crashed. It was great. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody on your team has small children, so which is great for you. But, else, you know, all, everybody would have brought their kids and just had a big old hangout time the people on the team get to know each other most of my team are empty nesters mm -hmm. about half of my team is so just, I don't know, <coughs> no you ask all the questions So we need buy-in from a pastor, permission from a pastor, mm -hmm. and then depending on your pastor, you get to, some of them are going to give you pulpit time and some of them are not. Um, and then it's lay leader-led. We don't ever ask a pastor to lead this ministry um, because they don't have the capacity. Now, our pastors, if they want to, can get copied on the weekly emails so they know how to pray for the families, mm -hmm. but that's the extent of the involvement. For the pastor, once they get up, you get a thumbs up from them. Our pastor allowed us to do part of our stand Sunday. We talked about this, played a video, did a sign-up sheet, had an info meeting. That was before Corona, when people came to the building for church. Um, so we've done that at uh, one of our other campuses. And then we sent out emails. A lot of times, and for me, I get lists from my admins by zip code, and I just 
email people and text them and call them and go, can I tell you about care communities? Here's the video. It's attached to the email. There's a family that lives five minutes from you that is fostering that needs help. Will you help? That's how I've gotten most of the people, to be honest. Um, we just get, I'm good friends with the person who's in charge of the database. They're very important to me. <laughs> yes, Ms. Paris? So, um, so, yeah, I would say if you do, um, like, an awareness event, like Katie was saying, like a Stand Sunday or something like that, if, you ha if you're able to do it um, from the pulpit, that's great. You can have maybe a foster family come and share a testimony. But if you um, don't have that, there's other awareness events you can do. You can host like a movie night, and you could show a movie that has to do, do with uh, foster care, such as um, there's a movie called Molly, M-U-L-L-Y. That's good. There's a movie that just came out not too long ago, ago called The Ride, which is about um, a BMX uh bike rider who, um, it's like his story about being raised in foster care. Um, so you can do a movie night, and then after that movie night, say, hey, this is what we'd like to do. Uh, if you're interested, sign up and, you know, then have a meeting with those interested. But it's good to have some kind of awareness event. Um, you know, that's an idea. Mm -hmm. just to, Or you can even... Um, if your church has small groups, go speak at the small groups and um, small groups make great care them, communities. Tell them uh, what you'd like to do and yeah, see if anybody's interested. Yeah, it's kind of like you use the awareness event to throw out the big net to catch anybody interested, and then you have an interest meeting after that to share the vision and stuff. And you get the oh, I think I th remember hearing about that when you called talk to the individual. And those empty nest people in your church, those 60, 70-year-olds, they are the ideal care community members because they know how to do laundry, they know how to cook, and they've got time in their life. They are so good. Like, gifts to the body. Yep. Gifts. Then, I mean, and on my care community, there's three people on there that my kids refer to as different type of grandma names. We got Pippi, we got Nana, we got Granny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great um it's a great way and kids from hard places cannot have too many positive people pouring into them and praying for them and being consistent in their life we don't want people who are going to show up once you know those people with great intentions who are going to show up once bring you a meal come in love on your kids they're going to make best friends and then your kids never see them again we want the kids who are going to be there every week every month who every Thursday, those kids know that Grandma Gail is coming over and they're going to have some tickle time on the couch. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. The dog's involved too. <laughs> Any other questions? I want to know what you want to know. Um, here's a question, Katie, that it was asked to me before. Um, one person said, well, you know, I've got four kids of my own and my wife and I, we're, we're we're fine, you know, we don't need a care community, so why does a foster parent need a care community, you know, for their kids? So for me, right now, I got these five little kids that I've had a month ago, all five of them have to go to the dentist, the eye doctor, get a first physical, a second physical, and a third physical, they're all state required, all of them have dental follow-ups because 
All of them have cavities, except for the baby. Um, uh, eye doctor follow-ups, because baby failed her eye exam, so we had to go back. We, two of them are in therapy. One of them is in therapy twice a week. Then we visit with mom twice a week. And after we visit with mom, we cry for four hours afterwards and scream. And they don't want me. They want mom. And they don't know how to sit at a table and eat. They don't know how to use a fork. They don't know how to pee in the toilet. I mean, I know it's a thing with boys. Anybody who's raised a boy knows. But nobody's ever taught them how to get the pee in the toilet. (laughs) Like, I don't even know that they know that's a goal. They're just like, we're in the correct room, right? I mean, in addition to that, I have a kid who has a B. I have to talk to his teacher on the phone every single day because we are having a golden day if he did not call anybody the N-word at his school and he did not flip a table over. Or throw a scissors. That was a new one. He spat in a teacher's face. Like, that's a normal day for me. The respite person called and said, the four-year-old said the six-year-old said the F-word. And I went, probably they're both lying. Because the four-year-old doesn't know what the F word is, and he'll tattle on somebody even if they're not home. <laughs> and that one probably did say the F word, because that's what he does. That's why a foster family needs a care community. Because if I had had these kids since birth, we wouldn't have dozens of cavities in mouths and all these therapy appointments and teacher phone calls, because we would have started learning when we were babies. My six-year-old doesn't know the letters and his name, and they want him to go to second grade. He needs, so now we're looking for tutors, and then he needs more positive people in his life, so we're on a soccer team. And I need somebody to go to every soccer game with me because I don't know how to keep those four alive and watch him play because he needs somebody cheering him on at every game. My care community, somebody's going to be at every soccer game. They already have the schedule. That's a lot. And, and I mean, anybody who has five kids has a lot, but it's a lot of extra on top of it. And every time you go to the hospital for an appointment, they find five new things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. So those are five new appointments or referrals. And if they get a referral, as a biological parent, you can go, they don't need to go to a dermatologist. This is eczema. I'll go to this Target. We'll get some lotion. Right. He'll be fine. Foster kid, I don't bring him. I got medical neglect charges on me. Um, so that, you know, on top of all of that, and when we go to the hospital, they have to call the county and get permission to treat, which sometimes is quick, but I've had it take three hours before where I'm sitting in the waiting room with a kid going, they're going, I don't know what to do. We can't get a hold of anybody. We're not even allowed to look at them. Any other questions? (laughs) I love my life. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. I love taking care of these kids. They wear me out. But um, I'm doing this because this is my call, and God has equipped me, and he has strengthened me for this. So get started. Will they get an email about the yeah. training? Yeah. So, so when you signed up, you'll get an email about the next advocacy training. You can go to the website. If you can't pay for it, ask your church. If they can't pay for it, ask Paris. And... They are doing it, so some of them are in the evenings and some of them are Saturday mornings to try to accommodate everybody's schedule. And it will give you all the tools you need to roll this out. So 
your advocate, your leader, should probably not be on a care community, not at least not initially. And we'll get those care communities built up. This is the church taking care of the church. It's just good old-fashioned biblical hospitality, and it makes sense. I know you guys have a, two, two children that you've adopted, and one of them is difficult. I don't know any details. I just met them yesterday. But would your life have been different had you had a care community when he was younger? I know they waited 10 years to adopt another child. My guess is you would have had maybe had a child earlier if you had the capacity to of earlier. Yeah. Actually, we had talked about adopting earlier, but because our oldest was so challenging, it was taking a mental toll, especially on Gail, because she was home all day with them. And I, I just knew adding another child to our family at that point was going to be mentally taxing, and I love my wife. Right. And so I'm, I just, I didn't feel God's peace about it. I said, let's hold off on this. I'm not saying no permanently, but, and we came to a point where you started growing out of some of the things. We still have some issues, but we're at a better place, you know, peace-wise, and, but we never had this kind of support. We had, we had our, our parents that came alongside with some things, but. having people help us with that would be awesome and recently we're just launching um, a fan at, at our church and uh, the lady that runs it at day spring she said what what do you guys need and we said we need a, a mentor for our oldest because he won't listen to dad and mom but if he has another man in his life a christian man that can speak life into him and invest in him that's huge you know, because he's he's going to listen to somebody else more than, than he will us. There's seeds planted. You know, it, it, it'll come eventually. But um, He's also a teenager. Yeah. I mean, some of this. But he's there's still, other stuff on top, I'm sure. But he adopted, you know, and us having started fostering him at three days old, he's still carrying trauma. Birth mom, he, there is a, a slight connection with birth, birth mom and half-sister, so he's got a lot of questions. So even for adoptive families, yeah, this, this is huge. We're just getting it started. We're just, yeah, we're, they're just starting with COVID. It's been a slow start. So I called my mom last week, one night after the kids were in bed, and I was in tears. It had been a rough day. Other stuff was happening that I was outside of the kids. And I was in and she was like, remember, this is what you always wanted. I'm like, I know. And she goes, maybe five's too much. Maybe you can call and have them take two or three. You know, maybe you only need two or three of them. If I had given birth to all five of them, my mom would never have said, you could just right. give two back. Right. And that's what foster parents hear. That's what adoptive parents hear. You can give them back. And then not all of my friends are okay with my six-year-old calling them cuss words. And exposing their kids to the lyrics of songs from TikTok. And so I've lost a lot of friends over the years that I thought were my support system. That we were doing life together. And when I had easy kids, they were on board. But I get difficult kids. Or I've had two medically fragile kids. And I've had friends being like, I can't deal with the feeding tube. And we haven't talked since because they've just disappeared from my life. Because feeding tubes, if you've never seen one, they're gross, but that's how some people eat. 
I have to nourish my child whether you think it's gross or not. Um, and I'm not going to a bathroom to do it. So there's things like that 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 happens. My siblings can't handle my foster kids. My only nephew is 14. It's not like he's a huge risk of having stuff rubbed off on him, but they don't really like him around my foster kids. It, they're like, it messes with him. They come and go. Like, I'm like, whereas my friend Casey, her five-year-old's been around my foster kids his whole life, and he thinks in some families kids just come and go. Like, that is his normal. He's, he's asked his mom, like, why do I get to stay here all the time? <laughs> like, how come I don't just get new parents every once in a while? She's like, because I gave birth to you and you're stuck. <laughs> um, so it just, you know, it's a different, even good people with biblical perspectives can't always handle when you're talking about getting into their inner circle and sabotaging them. This baby girl, she is adorable. This baby talks in her sleep. She sleeps in my room. I do not like people sleeping in my room. That is my sanctuary. That is where I go to get away from the people who talk in their sleep. I don't have a choice because you can only have four in one room and that's where she's at. And it's cute little baby talk. I think she might be praying in tongues. I'm not sure. But I can't wait to get her out of my bedroom. Because I want to be able to go to my room, have my show on, have my music on, play a game on my computer, whatever. Put away laundry. But she is in my room. So there's things like that that if they were not foster kids, she would be in the room with her brothers. But you're not allowed to have more than four kids in a room. That is an unbreakable rule. The twins used to share a bed until they were put into foster care. Now they have to sleep in separate beds. That's not easy for anybody. Mason wakes up screaming about five times a night. And I just pray over him in the spirit. I don't know what else to do with that kid. If he wakes up, I go, do you have to go potty? And then let's pray. He taught his teacher the song, to, the words to Jesus loves me on Friday because she wouldn't sing it to him. And he decided it's because she, she doesn't know the words. I know this woman is a Christian. She doesn't work at a Christian school, though. But he's going to teach every kid in his class the song, Jesus Loves Me, because I sing that song to him every night. He uh, takes prayer requests from his little brothers. What do you want to pray for? Truck? Dear Jesus. Liam has a green truck. Amen. The trajectory of his life is changing because he goes to God when he has a problem or a green truck. And his teacher's going to know about Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth me listening to that little baby babble in her sleep. But it's, ex- it's, it's expensive. Um, my, my parents were foster parents, and they adopted six. And two of them are really trying, you know. And uh, not, not, never had anything like this. My parents had, like, several friends just when they adopted those other boys, my brothers. So you've seen the flea. I've seen the flea, you know. It also happens with people who have a kid with, like, cancer or another debilitating disease. It's not just foster kids. Yeah, and, like, I'm like, this makes me sad because I wish they had something like this. And they they had one family to help them out, but they also had foster kids, you know. It's, like, it's hard Mm -hmm. to help me. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? I'm, it's the people in the trenches helping the people in the trenches. Exactly. Because they're the only people who are in the trenches who get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't get it until you've lived it. Yeah. And that's why we need you and the people who sit next to you in church or on the other side of the screen. Any other questions? Yes, and you'll get that from Paris. Yeah, so you guys, were you all able to do the QR? Yeah. Okay, and good. seriously, that is my cell phone. Call me, text me during the day, not at night. You can email me at 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, and I'm available. I'm in Cincinnati. I get to do this full-time for work. This is my job. I am also a supported missionary, so... I'm one of your U.S. missionaries as well, and uh, it's just really such a blessing that I get to tell people about care communities all day, every day.